We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a weird name. Jeff. 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 Jeffrey. 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 I... Jeffrey Allen White. Mm. <laughs> That's Jeremy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Allen White is like his lesser brother. The, yeah, the off-brand <laughs> version of Jeremy yeah. Allen White. We have Jeremy's at home. It's just Jeffrey Allen White. <laughs> Welcome to the Holy Hour, a podcast about sex, relationships, mental health, and everything in between. I'm Amelia Sanson, and I'm Liz Ball. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Holy Hour. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Amelia Sampson. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Liz Ball So Hard. You can also watch us on YouTube or listen ad-free on Patreon at patreon.com slash theholyhour. Check out our merch at theholyhour.com and email us your spicy stories at holyhourpodcast at gmail.com. I'm All excited right. to get my knowledge on. I just, I was so tilted after this last episode going on my rant about iud's tilted yeah it's a good word mr liz uses it to describe when he um gets mad playing counter-strike i'm so fucking tilted right now dude yeah it's a good word i like it you want to hear what i'm tilted about this week fuck yeah tell me it just what happened. grinds your gears it happened an hour ago i was Ooh. walking polly and there was a man who lives in the neighborhood with his Boo. dog no. with his yeah i'm <laughs> so, so i'm mad <laughs> what, what makes him think he can be in my presence no so he was walking his dog and i introduced polly and then asked his name and he told me his name and then i told him my name and he was like yeah i'm only gonna remember polly this man's like in his mid-60s and i was like that's kind of funny whatever okay. like at least it's honest mm-hmm. and then we circled back around and we crossed paths again and Polly was sniffing his dog and this car came like speeding down the road and he was like oh, of course it's like it's always stupid women boo now I don't feel bad booing him and I was like what and he was like yeah it's just like always like it's like the students like that go to college around here it's like it's, I'm like yeah it's probably students in general yeah what do you mean stupid women um I mean did you want to rattle off some bro car accident Statistics. statistics to him yeah mm-hmm. anyway so that's what that's what i'm yeah. tilted about this week i think that's fair i think that's a good thing to be tilted jeff. about his name isn't jeff well he sounds like a fucking big, jeff big jeff energy yeah bje <laughs> okay let's get our knowledge on i'm so excited okay so for today's episode 
Um, I'm doing a book report. <laughs> oh, it's actually not a book report. Um, I'm going over the history of the IUD because over the weekend I was smoking a little weed as you do sometimes. And I was like, read or no, I took, I had, I took an edible. Oh, <laughs> I took an edible. And then I was reading more about the IUD and cause I had some questions and then the edible started to hit as I was learning and I was getting like so deep into the, the IUD lore and also getting very upset. <laughs> I'm so jealous. You can take edibles. I love it. I love a gummy. I see. I've really scaled back my weed use. I mean, I honestly like even just like a five milligram moment sends me to space in I, the worst, uh, worst way. Yeah. Uh, the worst way. Like I wish my tolerance was low like that again. I just hallucinate. I end up outside. <laughs> it's a mess. Anyway, continue. Well, so um, that's what we're going to do today. I brought my iPad so I could read it to you. Woo. Um, serious serious day today mm -hmm. i'm excited Mm -hmm. so the history of the iud iud for those of you who don't know stands for intrauterine device and how it's inserted um during the insertion process healthcare providers use a speculum to find the cervix which is the opening to the uterus it looks like a little donut they pinch the cervix to stabilize it open with a teneculum yeah and then use an insertion device. It looks like a little straw. They use an insertion device to place the IUD in the uterus. Uh, and the insertion device goes through the cervix. So your cervix dilates when you're giving birth. So just think about it's not dilated and you're forcing something in there. It is. It's not loose. No. <laughs> but um, And that's probably why they make you. They like try to do it on like the first day of your period or the last day of your period yeah, i think like the first day because you'll already be bleeding yeah yeah <laughs> like you won't know the difference but it's because your cervix will be yeah it's lower more, yeah oh lower okay yeah it's probably more open but um i included a picture of a ten a teneculum if you would like to describe it for our listeners sweet jesus okay it looks like little like um eyebrow scissors <laughs> but they have little like pincers at the end of them like they're like curved in they're um, like little pointy. That is the most terrifying thing tips. I've ever seen. Yeah. So that's the thing that they clamp onto your cervix. They like. Yeah. It feels like yeah. it. That's <laughs> exactly what it feels like it would look like. Yeah. That's like one of the most painful parts. <sighs> um, so that's how it's inserted. Brilliant. And the copper IUD as we know it today is a T-shaped IUD. Um, and the rest of. Uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> the copper iud and the rest of the iud's that we know today are typically t-shaped um and the way non-hormonal iud's work is by causing like an inflammatory foreign body reaction in the uterus which creates a hostile environment for sperm so it doesn't technically need to be copper a copper iud there are pla just plastic ones but copper is a spermicide so the IUDs with copper are more effective. And then the hormonal ones um, obviously use hormones. And they were originally created uh, for, like, I think menstrual cycle purposes. Mm -hmm. I included that information at the end. So we'll review. Okay. Um, 
most other non-hormonal IUDs are made of plastic or stainless steel. And in China, inert IUDs are the most common form of contraception. So an, an inert IUD is one that isn't hormonal and doesn't have copper. Okay. Um, so it's literally just plastic. Um, the precursor to IUDs was first marketed in 1902. So this is just like the... the it, it was just like a twinkle in um, some crazy gynecologist's eye. Wow. You know? Yeah. So so they were developed from stem pessaries in 1902. Um, and a pest... I think I'm saying that right. Pessary, pessaries? Um, it's a prosthetic device inserted into the vagina for structural structural and pharmaceutical purposes. So it, w- it was mostly used to treat um, stress urinary incontinence and pelvic or- organ prolapse. Um, so from what I could tell, they weren't actually used to prevent pregnancy, but the idea that you could put something into your your vagina to prevent pregnancy um i've included a couple of pictures oh great <laughs> from the 1900s oh I'm, um, I'm already scared this is what it looks like i think it looks like a penis oh right oh what it <laughs> doesn't it look like a penis it kind of does i mean like it, like it it has like the or like the a making, door the making it also kind of looks like a door stopper it looks like this is like the new Rorschach test. You yeah. know how they like the ink block test. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I so that one's from like the early 1900s, and then this one's from 1920. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, describe what you're seeing. Um, okay, it looks like that actually looks like a doorstop to me. It has like the coil on the bottom, like the that a doorstop has. But then there's two like ears sticking up from it with like little paddles at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then at the bottom is like a circular thing holding it all together. What a terrifying device. So I'm pretty sure this is the part that would be inserted into like your cervix. Okay. But. What the fuck? I know. Isn't that terrifying? Uh I don't like it. And obviously it looks a lot bigger than it is, but it's still probably pretty fucking giant because your cervix is not big. No, I was going to say, like, can you have sex with that in? (laughs) <laughs> probably no, not I, I don't think you're supposed to because this was just made for like uh prolapse right uh right yeah so you're just kind of fucked yeah exactly well you're not fucked i well. guess <laughs> <laughs> um early iud models were frowned upon in the medical community um because they caused a high amount of infections mm. a lot of um pelvic uh infections were happening um and then the first few were interuterine devices opposed to intrauterine devices because they cross both the vagina and the uterus um which is what causes the high rate of pelvic inflammatory disease makes sense um but the first iud was made in germany in 1909 by dr richard richter so (laughs) dr dick richter (laughs) Dick Richter. What a Dick Dr. Richter. Dick Richter. Um, he, it was a ring made of silkworm gut. Uh, and it was not widely used. And I couldn't find like a lot of information on it. Um, I couldn't find a picture of it or how it was supposed to sit inside. But I would assume it kind of just like went around your cervix. But 
I, I don't know for sure. The thing, the creativity and like, I mean that in a derogatory way <laughs> that like the medical community used to use to create things like back in the early oh 90, 1900s God. is it's like why silkworm guts? Like there was nothing else available. Like yeah. what, what benefit does that what, provide? What were you thinking about when you were like, this should work? Right. It was like one white guy that was like, yeah, no, well, believe me, bro. And then everybody did it. And even just looking at these like precursor devices that led to the creation of the IUD or like imagining of the IUD. Imagine how fucking painful those words those were to insert. Yeah. And no wonder there was like a high rate of infection. Yeah. With these things. Right. Um. So then the next IUD was introduced in 1929. Um, also by a German physician, Ernst Grafenberg. Uh, that is the most German name I've ever heard. Also, you may remember him. Ernst Grafenberg was also, uh, he named the G-spot after himself. Oh, yeah. But, which is weird because most of his work was focused on, like, the urinary tract. Um, so it's kind of weird that they were like, we're going to name the G-spot after this guy. But he was, like, one of the first and few to, like, research women's bodies and like women's um pleasure like that it exists so i hope that man was like really good at sex i'm like he was either really fucking weird or he was like (laughs) like a sex god yeah it's like yeah you know fun fact baby girl they named the (laughs) g-spot after me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, even though i was looking into urethras (laughs) um anyways uh it was Introduced in 1929, and it was a ring, and um, it was made of silk suture. I think I'm saying that right. Probably not. Um, But that's what you would know that as, like, the things that, the thread that's used for stitches. Okay, so that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Um, And in later versions, there was a silver coil wrapped around it. Um, Turns out the silver had been contaminated with copper, And that led to the creation of future copper IUDs. But unfortunately, his work and research was cut short by the Nazi regime um, because contraception was considered a threat to Aryan women. Fun fact. Isn't that interesting? Also, he was a Jew. So I was going to say, yeah, um, he was not allowed to continue working. Do you know um, if he like survived the Holocaust? Do you know? Yes, if he, he was, did. This just looks like those um, hair ties that have the like the coil hair ties. Uh-huh. That's exactly what it looks like. So uh, this would go around your cervix. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then in 1934, a Japanese physician, Tenrei Ota, developed a similar mechanism made of silver or gold that has a supportive structure in the center um, to lower the expulsion rate. So that was like a huge issue with early IUDs is um, the the two biggest issues were expulsion and infection. So they were always trying to find a way to keep it in, to keep it inside um, and not fall out or whatever be removed. Um, but both their IUD rings caused really high rates of infection and the Grafenberg ring stopped being used in 1939. But I think it's interesting that it just kind of like opened the door for more exploration. Yeah. And then in 1949, it's a double entendre. The Hall Stone Ring was made by Grafenberg's colleagues who took up his research after his death. And it was later renamed um, the, the Inhiband, like inhibitions. 
Cute. <laughs> in a band. Cute. Um, the in a band didn't have a great track record. So Not 346, to, 346 women were part of the trial. Um, 46 ended up choosing to get a, a hysterectomy. Um, 41, they just stopped following up with. 25 got pregnant. 14 experienced expulsion. And uh, 53 others had it removed for medical reasons. Uh oh. <laughs> so Yo. it didn't, it just, it was not available for a very long time because mm-hmm. it just had a lot of issues. Yeah. Um, and then also, although the insertion of the rings was like relatively painless, it was, it was on the less painful side. Um, they were hard to remove and then they had just a high rate of infection. Um, they put all their energy into naming it. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> ran out of all budget. We, all we got a circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys have any other ideas? Circle. Like, yeah. Let's put some metal on that bitch. <laughs> Uh, and then they had a brilliant idea to um, use plastic. So the next IUD was created in 1958, and it was the first plastic IUD. And whoop, whoop. it's called the the Margul Mar Margulis Marjulius. I don't know. I I've been calling it the Margul's coil in my head. I know that's probably not how it, it's pronounced. How's it spelled? M-A-R-G-U-L-I-E-S. Yeah, that's Mar- tough. Marjulies. Marjulies. Um, the Marjulies coil, it was large uh, and it had a hard plastic tail. So obviously it caused women a fuck ton of pain, but then it also caused their partners pain. Yeah, I was about to say. And I think since men were like, sex isn't good because it hurts now. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh shit, we got to rethink this. Right. Um. But I've included a picture, and I would love if you could describe this. What the fuck? Yeah. This looks like a tapeworm. This looks like all of the medical photos of tapeworms. Um, It's like a... It looks like somebody took an icing bag and, like, made a little swirl and then gave it a little, like, um, hook. Like long a cute tail. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, like, some weird... That is the strangest looking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um. It's it's terrifying. And then I, I found this picture because I was like, we need to see IUDs in general aren't like big in the scheme of things. Yeah. Because when you see them, you're like, that little thing caused me so much fucking pain. Mm-hmm. But um, I looked up a picture that has a lot of different IUDs and <laughs> this, these are the coils. So holy shit. Look at these in comparison to like just the Is big that the ass. Paragard? Yeah. Holy shit. Wow, it's like I don't know I if this is a paragard like, or just a copper IUD, but like oh, it's so it fucking big. Yeah, that's enormous. It's, it's like, like three, oh my god, it's like twice the length. So this it, one is at least yeah, absolutely Ugh. so fucking big. Like no wonder it <laughs> hurt people. And like this is pretty archaic too for like 1958 to go from um, like a tiny little circle to this gigantic plastic coil i can't even imagine what insertion was like so it caused a lot of pain um i hate how they say discomfort i'm like we know that's what they always say when you go in discomfort like the consultation before you go to get an iud is like it's it's a little it's uncomfortable it'll cause you some discomfort that's what they always say like Like, i'm about to cause you some fucking discomfort (laughs) um and then the the one after that. So this one wasn't around for super long, 1958. 
1962, the Lippus Loop was launched and it was slightly smaller with a string. Um, it's thermoplastic, so it could bend for insertion and retain its shape. And then it was discontinued in 1980 for economic reasons. I think mm. maybe they were just like, we, we want to make more money or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is what the loop looked like. The squiggly one? Uh-huh. It's not at all. Oh, I guess the loop's at the bottom. That's not a loop. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Um, but this was like the first one that had a string at the end. Got it. To okay. remove. Uh, Our so modern IUD starting to take form. I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. But obviously, so you can see in comparison, like the the lipis loop compared to the mar- margulis coil. Yeah. It's significantly smaller. I want to understand the like how that sits inside. I think a, it a woman a person. So I'm pretty sure there were some issues with uh, perforation. With yeah, the, I bet the loop, the the, the mark or no, what's this one? Um, the lipis loop. <laughs> um, it because like, when I looked at I looked it up because I looked at a bunch of pictures. When you look at X rays, it's always in a place where it shouldn't be. Yeah, but right. it and it can like t- it turns. So it's like a, but it, it was designed to be more of the shape of your uterus. Mm. So like while it's sitting in there, oh, uh, it feels like they like made it like zigzaggy, like to be like cute. <laughs> it's, it's like it's flirty. It's women fun. will want this. It's qu- yeah, it's cool. That's why they coiled the other one. Yeah, <laughs> it, she's so quirky. Yeah, women will love this. Um. So that was like I would say probably the, the the first like actual success that IUDs started to see because they were very like largely frowned upon in the medical community for a long time like um the early 1900s probably through the 1950s just because they had such a high rate of infection We're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Um, 
And then a stainless steel ring was developed in 1970, and it was mostly used in China, but the Chinese government banned production in 1993 due to high failure rates. Wow. Um, the failure rate was up to 10% a year. Um, but I have more info on that later. <laughs> uh, it's not happy. Yeah, I bet. None of this is. I would bet. Um, in 1968, a U.S. doctor, Howard Tatum, discovered considered like the t-shape that we see now um and that's the one we best know um another doctor named jamie zipper in chile it's a fun name chile uh he thought to wrap the plastic tea in copper to just improve its effectiveness so it was kind of like a meeting of the minds with these two guys like we have the plastic tea concept because that is kind of like the shape yeah you know yep. you got the the t in here and then bloop, yep. It, yep. the, bloop. the long the yep. long part um, which when you look at it inside of a uterus makes so much sense mm-hmm. it's like why did that take so long for them to get there yeah yeah <laughs> no they're like first we gotta try a squiggle yeah um first let's try a ring and I, you know what i understand the thought process of the ring it's like okay this isn't a big clunky thing yeah should be pretty easy to place yeah relatively painless right. in comparison to all this other shit right but and at the end of the day who gives a fuck if women hurt yeah especially exactly. back then well so here's the thing that i was getting so up in arms about no you know what i'll circle back i'm gonna save my rant for the end okay fuck yeah <laughs> um so that that the first like copper iud that we kind of see now um that was concepted and created in 1968 so that's pretty cool um and it had a much lower expulsion rate so that was another part of the appeal um and this brings us to our climax of the story so to speak um yeah (laughs) it's a climax you don't want yeah very painful um this brings us to the iud that ruined it all for people in the u.s this is the one that became the reason that new iud's are basically impossible to get in the u.s the dalkin shield and i'm going to show you a picture that's a scary name it's a scary iud uh i'm going to show you a picture and you're going to describe it what the fuck (laughs) you were not expecting that no it looks like a like a hieroglyphic of a beetle like it looks like a cave wall drawing of a bug it's like kind of guitar pick shaped with a circle in the middle and then like little tiny legs why like spiky legs what is that and then it has a string what yeah the string looks like it was just like tied on by like a third grader yeah it's it's just a string it's like not a medical string no it's just like a loose string yarn yeah, yeah. it yeah. literally Thin looks like yarn. it's from an art arts and crafts thing um so why are there so few i why are there so few IUD options in the U.S.? Uh, this is the big reason why. Um, well, another one is pharmaceutical companies have chosen to invest in promoting the contraceptive pill because it's more profitable for them. So that's why you don't really see as much like advertisement or support like publicly for IUDs in America. Also, other countries don't have like pharmaceutical commercials the way we do. Yeah, we live in such a weird simulation yeah we really do comparison to the rest of the world um so in the 1970s the dalkin shield was produced by the a.h robbins company in in the u.s 
Um, and it was placed directly into a woman's uterus to prevent pregnancy. I'm fairly confident they had to dilate your cervix. I was going to say, like, that's, you can't, unless it, like, bends, but that doesn't look like bendy material. No, no it does not. Do you know how it sits? Um, Did you see pictures of how it sits? No, I, I need to look that up. Let's, let's look. I'm so curious. Because I, I was wondering that, too, because I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Here's how it sits in your uterus. Okay, so it sits how, like, modern IUDs do, but, like, so, like, the, ow, there's no yeah, way that, that doesn't hurt, because, like, it's, the, the, it essentially has spikes, where it looks like it has little legs, those are spikes to keep it in place. I was saying a few weeks ago when we were talking about IUDs, like, when I got my first IUD, I could feel it cramp it, like, when I would cramp, I could feel the arms, mm-hmm. that probably felt fucking crazy for people, oh, I have in the worst no way. doubt. Yeah. And if it went like there's no way like at least the T-shaped IUDs, it has flexible plastic and it still hurts when it pops open. But like it's at least kind of the shape of your uterus. It's it's somewhat intuitive. Um, So this had I'm pretty sure your cervix had to be dilated. And to explain that to to our listeners, your cervix dilates when you give birth (laughs) and that is probably the only time it dilates and should dilate. So to force your cervix to dilate when your body is not prepared, because at least when you're giving birth, your body is designed to do that. Yeah. So you have some kind of aware, you're you're mentally prepared for it. You've been preparing for it. You know that this pain is temporary, like, it's completely different. So to force your cervix to dilate, to insert this fucking torture device, uh, oh. I can't even imagine how painful no, it was. No, no, e- Like even considering like, consider like medical technology in the fifties and sixties. I guess this is the seventies, but still it's not great. And so that this was the start of people like there being like a stigma, not stick, but like a, not, like a hate for IUDs? Well, it was withdrawn from sales pretty quickly due to a large number of lawsuits and lawsuits filed by women who suffered severe injuries from it, which I don't think surprises anybody. Um, court testimony shows that Robin's officials knew about the wicking problem as early as June 1970, which is six months before the shield even went onto the market. Um, so by 1974, at least 17 women had died from complications linked to this specific IUD. Oh, shit. But the actual number is probably higher. Uh, absolutely. If you look on the Wikipedia page, um, it's only site seven. I got this from a different article. Um, so scary. It was the design is incredibly flawed as we have as you've seen um it was cheap and made of plastic and i think that was like part of the appeal to this pharmaceutical company is like it was cheap to make um it was shaped like a crab with lots lots of little spikes on the sides and um small amounts of copper to act as spermicide okay so it was non-hormonal yeah it was non-hormonal hormonal iud's weren't created i think until I, I think, I think 1978 anyways um they also had a string at the base to help with removal the fucking arts and crafts string but 
to no one's surprise, uh, ended up just being a means for bacteria to quickly travel up and infect your uterus. Yeah. I mean, also, like, can you imagine pulling that thing out? Fuck no. With the arms, like, embedded in your uterus? What the fuck were they thinking? I don't know. <laughs> um, it also wasn't effective. That so feels like a step backward. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, it wasn't effective. Patients still got pregnant and the failure rate was about 10%. It led to many issues like uterine infections, miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, and I put this in quotes, complications so severe that some women had to later have their uteruses removed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think I do. This is the time for me to go on my rant. Um, When I was learning about all of these and just thinking about how archaic medicine was even then, I IUDs have been like in existence since the early 1900s and since then obviously we've developed more and throughout all of this time women have experienced like the most gut-wrenching pain (laughs) having these things inserted Mm -hmm. and we've never implemented any sort of like painkiller or pain management into this and Like this torture device, like you said, it's like a step back. And even just the thing that you use to hold your cervix in place is like a needle scissors. Yeah. And I just, I was so repulsed. And I was explaining to Mr. Liz, like this experimental birth control for men where they literally just inject a gel into, (laughs) into one of your, one of your tubes, one of your veins. And that's it Mm -hmm. and that was already pre-approved yep for local anesthetic Mm -hmm. and i just was like women's pain is fetishized yeah it's and it just made me so disgusted like it's almost like i think that medical violence against women is purposeful Mm -hmm. Uh, and maybe like every time we say something like this I don't think it's intentional. Like, I don't think people are um, consciously. Well, I do think it's intentional. I don't think they're consciously aware of like the, the fact. Yeah. The fact that like they have been indoctrinated into a society that glorifies women's suffering, like wants to cause women pain. Yeah. I think it's also like twofold in that like there's this whole idea that like women's pain tolerances are higher so like they'll be fine but then also there's like women's pain has never been taken seriously it's like oh she's just being dramatic like that's you hear that so much that it's like oh if like this iud insertion which is obvious would obviously be painful yeah i could see it being like a oh well women are really fragile so like it makes sense like it's fine it's not that bad like i could see that being the mentality around it like okay let me stick a pointy thing up your penis and tell me how it yeah. feels yeah let's have a little conversation about that i just a little thought experiment like the more i thought about it just the more like again tilted i was getting yeah because i was just like i can't fucking believe how long we have been using and creating iud's and pain management is 
like dismissed. Yep. I have never heard a single fucking person be like, uh, yeah, getting it inserted was such a breeze and I felt great. Like <laughs> I ran errands afterwards. Yeah. No, you never, ever, you ne- there are, I hear that from almost every other procedure that gets done. Like tonsillectomies. I've heard people be like, oh yeah, I had a really easy tonsillectomy or like I had a really easy wisdom tooth removal while other people are like, oh my God, it was awful. Mm-hmm. I have never, ever, like you're saying, heard like one person be like oh yeah it was nothing like I was fine like two yeah I in. took that ad- I took 800 milligrams of Advil and I was great yeah everybody is like nope I had to take work off for the day I like was like th- like you said last week I was throwing up in the parking lot like there's yeah, just just the hassle yeah. they give you as well when you ask for like some sort of pain management is appalling and to after me. they do so many of these too they yes. know what they know the reaction that people have when they get these inserted like why is it so, why do they act like it's like such a crazy thing to be like i, I just want to try and understand why causing women pain especially in a medical setting is like fetishized it does feel like some sort of like repulsive kink Mm-hmm. Where this is an acceptable place for you to cause violence against women. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's a stretch, but controversial yet, right? <laughs> I do think that um, it's like with any job, depending on the setting, it's going to attract the wrong type of person on occasion. Like it is going to attract people who want to cause violence against women and get away with it because they can because it's a medical setting yeah i mean we've Um, heard so many stories about that mm -hmm. yeah and it's like the same with like teachers like most teachers just want to be teachers but there are going to be teachers who are fucking pedophile creeps yeah and it's because this is a career that allows for you to be around the thing that's that you know is like wrong but you still want to harm others with with doctors in particular it's crazy to think about how much like these people will go to school for forever spend all this money getting a phd and then they just like abuse their power and there's so many like well if you're that smart i'm sure it's pretty easy to intellectualize your abuse probably probably i mean like there it just it's it's tough because like doctors, I there are so many incredible doctors, like like 99% of doctors come from a good place. And that 1%, like it makes people not trust doctors. Mm-hmm. It's like teachers. It's like people wanting to homeschool their kids because like there's people like sleeping with their 13 year old students. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. I'll continue. I mean, you're right. Yeah. So thank you. I think I am too. Um, jumping back into where we left off. So, uh, yeah, just, it wasn't very effective. It caused a lot of problems and, um, I just can't help but like laugh at this fucking string. Like this isn't even like medical grade thread or why wouldn't you use like even the very first one used what's known as like what you need for stitches like yeah. <laughs> right they probably so, it was probably an afterthought they were probably like oh fuck we need a string how are we gonna get this out it's like they were going into the meeting to get approved and they were like oh god fuck uh does Shit. anyone have a string tie it on there real quick yeah 
Um, so some doctors caught on to these design flaws pretty early. So Dorothy Lansing, a Pennsylvania OBGYN. Yep. Women have entered the chat. Refused to offer it to patients, uh, citing the spikes, which made removal tough for the doctor and painful for women. She precisely called it a vertebral instrument of torture and refused to buckle under pressure exerted by the A.H. Robbins nagging salesman. So I think they just had like really good salesmen. Yeah, of course. Everything is and they were so pushy. Yeah. Um, so the company that designed the Dalkin Shield um, knew at least bef- a year before it went on the market that it had design flaws, yet they pushed sales anyways. And then in 1972, as like suspicion and controversy started rising, um, they started dumping a bunch of discounted, unsterilized devices overseas when people started raising suspicions that the device was unsafe. So they were like selling these like un unsterilized fucking cheap IUDs to other countries. Of course. It's fucked up. Um, and then the FDA also didn't do their due diligence. OBGYNs who were early whistleblowers um, and had patients like dying mysteriously started raising concerns to the FDA who dismissed their concerns. Um, it wasn't until 1974 after a doctor published an article with their findings that the FDA started taking taking the concerns seriously. I don't understand how they justified like immediately them off. Immediately OBGYNs were yep. like... No, this thing is, it's killed my patients who are otherwise healthy. Um, It's causing infections. It's a fucking torture device. Like, no one's, and then the FDA is just like, not paying attention they're like oh that's damn that's crazy um and then as a result of the complications with this device specifically um congress passed the safe medical devices act so this like once the fda finally did take it seriously it was like completely removed it it was well known that it caused all of these issues because there were obviously all of these like um litigations and settlements with women who you know were harmed by this device specifically so it was so bad that congress um passed the safe medical devices act so everything from pacemakers to band-aids have to meet specific requirements thank god then in the 90s uh, defective heart valves and silicone gel breast implants caused controversy and further restricted medical devices so Things that were already under this, like, Safe Medical Devices Act became even more litigious. Like, you had to meet even more requirements to get something, to get a medical device approved by the FDA. And then IUDs started to be regulated as a drug, which is even more strictly regulated. That's amazing. So, like, there's some good that came out of this awful, awful device. Like, sort of. Yeah. I mean, like, for the greater good, you know, like, for the... for like healthcare in general or I guess like yeah. drugs in general. I definitely think like the Safe Devices Medical Act is like it important, but I can't believe that didn't exist before. I know. That's crazy. The 80s you said this happened? Uh yes, 80s and 90s. Fucking crazy. Um that is too Well, late. no, this is 70s. Like oh, this is when still 70s? all of this awful shit happened. Um I don't know what year they passed the Safe Medical Devices Act, but by the end of 1974 was when they were like fuck this device. It's we're like discontinuing it. This is illegal now. Okay. Um, but obviously, like, kind of adding all of these 
things in place, I think it became a necessity because we have turned um, healthcare into like, what am I trying to say? Like a money yeah like a sales game yes yeah it's like we we've made healthcare into like another capitalist money grab yeah um it's all for profit it's it's not it doesn't actually exist to help people it only exists to make money i highly recommend i don't know if you've seen it but also our listeners watch the john oliver um episode about pharmaceutical sales reps Mm -hmm. it is exhausting but it really explains it well like how money cash is ruling everything yeah in pharmacy well and then in america i just think like having shit sold to you constantly is yeah the expectation and the norm and that the fact that we've done that to our healthcare system now mandates like laws like this that it should just be implied it should be obvious that you shouldn't be like marketing things that kill people just so you can make money yeah I don't know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> in a, I mean, in, that feels like a no-brainer, but... Yes, I mean, like, in a, in, a, in a perfect world, the people who are, like, in these careers to help others and save lives and whatever all have good intentions, but that's never going to be true anywhere, no, ever. Yeah, yeah in, every, in every industry. I believe most doctors want to help people, yeah, but yeah. there's always a fucking few. Mm-hmm. Ruin it for everyone. Um, anyways, uh, so IUDs started to become regulated the same way that they like regulate drugs. Uh, and then the FDA aired twice, first by failing to listen to early whistleblowers voicing concern about the, the Dalkin Shield safety, and then second, by regulating IUDs so strictly in the embarrassing aftermath of the incident that fewer brands could be approved and reached market in the decades after. So that is why there are so few IUD options in America, because this device was so, like, traumatizing and embarrassing specifically for the fda but traumatizing for people yeah that um they just like overcorrected yeah and made it iud's were really stigmatized until recently like most doctors wouldn't even recommend an iud wow because um it just had this stigma right i mean that would scare me out yeah. of ever oh, recommending yeah. it to go through something like that as a like, professional just, despite all of these other IUDs that had mounting success you know they were on their way yeah. to making improvements and then this one you yeah. know takes one bad seed Ten so steps back that's why it's so difficult to get new IUDs approved and I I learned about two more types of non-hormonal IUDs many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe fda-approved weight loss medications like wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify plus they accept most insurance plans to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> 
I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days, so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Um, but first, I'm going to talk about the hormonal IUD because that is present day. Here we are with the hormonal IUD that we all know and resent. Um, Some of you may love it, and I love that for you. The hormonal IUD was invented in the 1960s and 70s, and initially the goal was to mitigate the increased menstrual bleeding associated with copper and inner IUDs. So, yeah, copper IUDs. um, If you've ever read about Paragard, which is not changed since the fucking 80s uh first of all like we said last episode it's big Mm -hmm. but if you read like stories on reddit like there are a lot of problems with like perforation with the copper iud it makes people's periods worse um and it is for women who have already given birth so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've had friends that have gotten a copper iud like in their early 20s more than one of my friends has had a period for like three months Mm -hmm. and has like they've like lost a lot of like nutrients (laughs) and like a lot of color in their face and they were just like sick all the time because they were just bleeding constantly well and something interesting too that i think i forgot to mention it in my notes um when that first iud t-shape was like coming to fruition um, those two doctors realized the amount of copper didn't make a difference. So they only needed to use some. So it's just like, oh, obviously it should fucking be smaller. Yeah. <laughs> if you can make it smaller, you should. Uh-huh. Um, so that was why the hormonal IUD was originally created. Um, mm, so the first model is called Progest. <laughs> what is it? Progestasert. <laughs> I'm glad they have like different names. Progestasert. Yeah. That's the ugliest name. Uh, it was conceived by Antonio Scamenga and created by Tapini JV Lucanin, Lucanian. But the device only lasted for one year of use. Oh, shit. Um, Progestart. <laughs> was manufactured until 2001 okay so imagine having to get your iud replaced every fucking year nope couldn't be me um and then one commercial hormonal iud which is currently available morena uh was also developed by the same guy lucanian and released in 1976 oh wow morena's been around since the 70s um but the manufacturer of morena is bayer and uh bayer Bayer became the the target yeah they became the target of multiple lawsuits over allegations that Bayer failed to adequately warn users that the IUD could pu- pierce the uterus and migrate to other parts of the body. Mm-hmm. Because wasn't Morena also made for post yep. uh, postpartum women? Yeah. Yeah. The first time I got an IUD, I got a Skyla because they I wasn't measuring out like that where Morena would make sense. But then mm-hmm. the second time... I did, which is interesting because I didn't give birth. Well, it lasted. Or wait, you chose Marina? Yeah, but it was like while he was inserting it, he was like, you're measuring for Marina. Do you want a Marina? And I was like, OK, sure. It like already hurt. You know, I was like, whatever. Just put, put whatever just in fucking there. Put an just IUD anything. in there. But um, well, Marina's now approved for eight years. I know. 
I get to get it replaced in 2025. So that's the most recent thing that the U.S. has been like approved. Yep. It's just approved that you can keep it in for longer. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing. They, they're like, that's way less work for us. Yep. We'll just approve it. Um, but they did. Yeah. They didn't warn users that it could migrate to other parts of the body. And that's like a risk that you take with any IUD, especially like the T-shaped ones. Yeah. It could migrate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's rare. So I don't want to scare people. Totally. I mean, and they also make you sign so much paperwork before mm-hmm. you get it. So you're going to get that warning anyway. But like that's really with any sort of implant device in like IUDs, um, the one that goes in the arm. I've had some friends that have Ugh. they've inserted it underneath oh, yeah, the, the muscle. <gasps> yeah. By accident. And then it's not it doesn't work. It's not like it does. It just loses all of it. It's painful. It's the word I'm looking for. Potency. Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's not potent. Effectiveness. Yeah, it's not effective. That wasn't the word I was looking for, but that's a better word. Um, and so she had to get it taken out, but they had, she has this like huge scar here now because somebody just inserted it too deep. I've also never heard a good, uh, story about the arm. Yeah. Yeah. I've only heard bad things. See, I've, I've had some friends that have really loved theirs, but I mean, I've yet to meet one. Couldn't be me. I had one. I know one person who did like it, but then the tissue scarred over it, and it became so thick that it like had to be essentially surgically removed. Jesus Christ. Anyways, um, there's another piece I had mentioned at the beginning. Um, IUDs with China. So I think it's important to mention the medical violence forced on women in China, um, specifically related to IUDs. In China, the use of IUDs by state health services was part of the government's effort to limit birth rates. So from 1980 to 2014, 324 million women were inserted with IUDs in addition to the 107 million who had tubal ligation. Okay. Uh, women who refused could lose their government employment and their children could lose access to public schools. So <sighs> they forced, they extorted these women to getting IUDs. Um, the IUDs inserted uh, in this way were modified such that they could not be removed in a doctor's office. So they were meant to be there indefinitely. Jesus. And oh, surgical removal is usually needed. Um, I did read that uh, it was in a different article because I was trying to look up some of the different like devices Um, and uh, immigrants who would come to like it was Canada, the one that I was reading. um, They were saying that the inner IUDs like the steel ring or just the straight up plastic IUDs, um, women would come from. China to get them removed well not specifically like they immigrated there and in Canada like you don't have the devices you need to remove them um, because you've never like been trained to remove these types of IUDs and then specifically they were inserted so you couldn't remove them and um, it it, it was really difficult to get them removed (laughs) I, I just can't even imagine that kind of medical trauma no me neither um and then if they're forcing you to do it of course they're not going to like be caring about your pain management um but uh until the mid 90s the state preferred iud was the stainless steel ring which had a higher rate of complications compared to other types of iud's um it gave rise to the idiom uh meaning insert a loop i think that's 
probably just an idiom in China. I've never heard it here. No. Um, and nowadays, uh, the IUD include T and V shapes, and the former is the most common and easiest to remove. I've the never T seen shape. a V shape. Me either. Um, and the, to implement the two-child policy, the government announced that IUD removals would be paid for by the government. Good. So IUDs remo- IUD removals are free to women who are allowed to have another child or who cannot continue to have an IUD for health reasons. Okay, so not so good. It's That's like a half oops. Atrocious. It's yeah. They're not admitting any wrongdoing. Yeah, but they're like, all right, well, we'll like, take fine, we'll take them out for free, but it'll probably have to be surgical. Yeah, and it'll probably only be a handful of you. Don't complain. It's disgusting. Yeah, it really is. Um, But amongst my research, I discovered two other types of non-hormonal IUDs, modern IUDs available, um, not in North America, of course. These aren't even available in Canada, so... I can't even go to Canada and be oh, like, shit. can I have one? <laughs> um, so the first one is called Gynafix. Needs a nif- <coughs> it needs a new name. Yeah. Gynafix is a frameless IUD. Um, it's a very small copper-based IUD that uh, offers over 99% effectiveness wow. at preventing pregnancies over five years. And it's smaller than any IUD. Um, and it's made up of four copper tubes or six tubes because there's two different lengths attached to a surgical thread and then the upper part of the thread has a small knot that holds the iud in place in the womb wow Mm -hmm. okay um and then the upper and lower tubes are like crimped on the thread to keep them in place so i have a picture for you wow so this is just a regular you know like paragard iud and then this is a frameless iud kind of looks like a little like um it's like a little friendship bracelet a little firework (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah I baby like it. firework i'll give you an iud that doesn't hurt oh nice. Um, nice. so this frameless iud was conceived in 1985 so it's been around for a minute so i'm surprised it's not more available um it was developed to minimize three major problems frequently associated with discontinuation of iud use which is expulsion bleeding and pain um the unique design characteristics of the gynafix uh frameless flexible and then it's fixed to the fundus of the uterus have resulted in optimal tolerance and almost complete absence of expulsion so what's the fucking issue i know it's almost Uh, it's probably like the most effective iud and the least painful yeah that that makes no that's a no-brainer it's essentially yeah it's probably it's probably the least painless because you don't have that t and it just hangs there and um it has everything you need which is just the copper that's so aggravating and it's on a, like a surgical thread how long why don't we think of this uh five years but i'm sure it could probably last yeah. longer yeah um why wasn't this the first creation you know (laughs) why don't we think of this the first time it's so simple um but the framelessness and flexibility explain the absence of side effects and adverse events caused by dimensional dimensional incompatibility between the frame of conventional iud's and the uterine cavity and may also explain the absence of pid um and ectopic pregnancies Uh so it's available in austria belgium france hungary the netherlands people's republic of china spain switzerland and the united kingdom i knew switzerland was going to be in there they're doing everything right yeah uh and then this next one 
probably the best. The the it's I don't know these that. two these two sound pretty fucking great. Um, so this one is technically an IUB, as in boy, um, because it's a ball. Uh, it's called ballerine. <laughs> cute, cute name, and um, it's inserted the same way, but it takes on a ball shape when it's deployed. So imagine like having a ball like chilling in your uterus versus like this the tea this yeah. hard plastic tea yeah um and its purpose is to reduce risks of perforation malposition expulsion and the pain caused by IUDs so if you get cramps you're not going to feel yep. those arms poking you and i um have some pictures for you so this is what it looks like when it's unrolled okay oh wow yeah so oh it's tiny it's, itty bitty. it's this little ring that has like 17 copper beads and then um it's like a it's one long wire type thing okay you know yeah and then it has the strings yeah that looks like a friendship bracelet yeah wow i love it um and then uh here it is wow it's pretty little guy i was curious how it's inserted because i'm like how is it a ball but um so this is when it's in its little straw okay oh cool cool, (laughs) cool, insertion straw and then it shows how it comes out so when it when it it's deployed it uh retakes the ball shape yeah which i think is so cool that's awesome yeah so wow that is the ballerine Ugh, it's beautiful and i was like where the fuck can i get this you can't even get it in certain places in um europe oh so it's only available in certain countries in europe uh, mr liz and i were like we should plan a trip to like france and italy and they have it in italy oh shit. and then i was like oh, do i want to do that because then there's like the language barrier also italian healthcare kind of sucks mm. like yeah it's just like that it's at well, least and you have to pay out of pocket yeah that too yeah pharmacies there suck they yeah mm-hmm. anyway that was my experience in italy but also that's what they warned us about before yeah, we studied like, there okay, maybe i'll go to the netherlands yeah or go something. to the netherlands yeah <laughs> but also IUD. like it's called medical tourism oh that's like people going to turkey for plastic surgery yeah i didn't even know that was a thing until a month oh, ago you didn't? yeah i have a friend that went i have two friends that went together one got a nose job and one got veneers and they turned out great i'm still a veneer hater people go for hairline treatments there. i have heard a lot of that yeah but anyway <laughs> I, i'm like at what point is it like is it cheaper right because you have like all of the other costs of like flying yeah and shit. traveling but if you want to go to turkey anyway i guess it's like two birds yeah um thank you so much for doing all of that research yes i was so like thrilled learning about it yeah i mean it and is also furious yeah because well so then when i was telling mr liz before i came over about the ball IUD and then the frameless IUD. He was like, well, can you do the same thing that you were talking about last week with um, getting like the Mona Lisa mini and just having a a doctor here insert it or just going to Vancouver and getting it inserted? And I was like, well, since it's not available in those countries, like even if I bought it and had it shipped here, they don't know how to insert it. They won't know how to remove it. So that's one of the other complications. Like if I come here and I have like, if I need to get my, my little ball IUD removed, like they're, they don't know how they're supposed to remove it, you know? Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. I wonder 
if there are private gynecologists like you were saying like that will just like be like you're signing away any like of their responsibility for anything going wrong i wonder if they've seen enough of them that they would know how to take them out yeah i think that they probably i think taking it out would be easier than putting it in if you've never like but honestly that ball one it's you can't beautiful. fuck that up. It's so easy. Yeah, it's foolproof. You just launch it and then it becomes a little ball. That is so aggravating that those things are just not available here. I know. Like, what the fuck, FDA? And I am one of the lucky ones that have Also, the FDA, they don't do shit, okay? No. They approved that torture device. Yeah. Even when other people were like, um, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. There's problems with this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm one of the lucky ones that... I've had such good luck with my hormonal IUDs. Oh, I've heard plenty of positive stories but about I've heard a like, lot of really awful stories. It's painful. And then if you also just don't want to have a hormonal birth control type. Yeah. Like, cause I don't, cause right. it makes me miserable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know a lot of people have a really hard time with it, but um, like, I mean, I can't even imagine the frustration around the options that are available to us not being good like not Mm -hmm. being enough for you like that is the most frustrating thing because I have a lot of friends that just aren't on any kind of birth control yeah and they just have to kind of like spray and pray every month you know (laughs) um or you could just use condoms right but it's like then like those will break or like sometimes it's like oh let's just do it like one time without and then they end up with a kid and it's just like there just needs to be better options I that that's what I'm saying you know, yeah. and I just I feel like there needs to be a trade off here. OK, we need to reason with the government. If you're going to take away our reproductive rights, can you at least give us a few more non hormonal birth control options yeah. as a treat as a treat? Yeah, just like a little like, I don't know. We'll just have like maybe less of a violent revolution. Yeah, a little consolation. Maybe price. we'll spare you. Maybe just like, I don't know. Just maybe like, we'll spare you in the next civil war. Yeah. If you give me a little IUD. Just give me some more IUD. <laughs> give me a little ballerine. A little ballerine. A little ballerine for baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you again for doing all that research. That yeah. was very informative and yeah. aggravating. Uh-huh. Totally infuriating. If, it, listen, everyone on this podcast, who or everyone listening to this podcast, and this is this just podcast. you, me, and Polly on the podcast yeah. at the moment, but <laughs> everyone listening to this podcast will be the first people to know if I find a workaround or if I have a little medical tourism experience. Hell yeah. Vlog it. <laughs> get that YouTube hey ad guys. revenue. Yeah. Being a medical tourist to get a copper IUD. Get ready with me to board my flight <laughs> to get a, an Ballerine. IUD in Turkey. <laughs> an IUD in Turkey. <laughs> I woke up and I had some turkey bacon. I All also right. got a little bit of a nose job. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Yeah. <laughs> It's already here. Um, cool. Well, I'm excited to see what people think about this episode. Me too. Like I, hearing from if, y'all is the best thing uh, in the whole fucking world. First, I of know all. we have a few overseas listeners, so if you have any of these other types of IUDs or you didn't even know about them, please, please reach out to us. Yes, we would love to hear. Tell us your experience. Maybe I'm just romanticizing. I'm not romanticizing Italy. I'm romanticizing. The ability to get the IUD that I want. Yeah, and you know what? Romanticize Italy. It's a cool place. Romanticize my IUD. Yeah. My dream IUD. Hell yeah. Um, cool. Well, I think uh, it's a good place to end. Lit.
We, we love you. But not our IUD option. <laughs> our children. <laughs> Thank you. You're Somebody welcome. told us that this that last week was their favorite outro, and I've really taken that to heart. Oh, they did? Mm-hmm, on That's our Patreon. funny. <laughs> yeah. I need to read that. All okay. right. Okay. Bye. Bye.